Well, our Thanksgiving, our Thanksgiving weekend is here, and I know that we, as we approach Thanksgiving, we're thinking about stuff we're grateful for, expressing that to God, and most often our list includes uh, things related to family, relationships, and good things that God has given us personally, circumstantially, and this is a totally appropriate. I mentioned last week that I have a list of, of uh, wonders and amazements and astonishments and, and, uh, that I write down and I rehearse those in my prayer time in the mornings and, and uh, take a section of those and savor them. I think that every good thing that's ever happened in your whole life, going back 10 minutes or 10 years or beyond, is an ever-present delight to God who transcends time and so because it's a delight to him in his presence it can be a full delight to you and to me so I find myself being reminded especially when my sisters were here for Thanksgiving um, thinking about good things going all the way back to our childhood my dad being willing to buy us a horse for instance we um, that was just such a blessing and a, and, a, and a delight, and I know God's pleasure was on that for us, and in his eternal present, it still is, and so I can enjoy that as a present dynamic, and not just think that I have to get, go back through the years and try to, be, try to grab it and bring it forward, because it's in God's presence, a present reality, it is with mine too, because I'm seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Plus, I, I, I now my list of kingdom delights now has, has there's 80 of them now. <laughs> I found a few more that I had to add. And I'll have those out for in the new year for anyone that wants to have that be part of your New Year's resolution or to, uh, to reinvigorate that. That there's so many things that Jesus has blood-bought us into that is such a pleasure to include in our, in our daily praise and thanksgiving to him in addition to the circumstances of his of his grace um, to us, and those are all great. I, I could not help, um, when I read uh, Isaiah 80, sorry, it was Isaiah 60, about the rising and shining, there's a call to gratefulness and thankfulness that comes out of that implicitly, this chapter. And I started to look at it last week with us and want to do some more of that this time. Um, in our series, the I Am Statements of Jesus, just to remind us that uh, Jesus said to the Pharisees, before Abraham was, I am. And by that, he's using the word ego eimi in Greek. And in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, same phrase that, Mos- that God said to Moses at the burning bush. Moses asked him, who do I say sent me? God said, ego eimi. I am that I am. Jesus is essential. Don't let anyone ever tell you that Jesus didn't claim to be God because he, he did in so many different ways. And there are seven I am, ego e me statements in John's gospel. We've been looking at a few of those and there'll be a few more to come. Uh, but when Jesus said to whoever, whoever uh, believes in me will not walk in darkness, will not walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. I am, ego me, the light of the world. 
whoever believes in me won't walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There are certain physical uh, expressions of the dynamic of physical light that transfer to the spiritual realm, but there are lots of things related to God light that is way beyond physical light in its nature. And one of those is light, the light of Jesus morphs, morphs into eternal life for us, not just everlasting life forever, but the quality of supernatural heaven present life, eternal life in that way for us. We have the light of life. And this was prophesied about in Isaiah 60, 800 years before Christ even came. And I hope that you don't just think in terms of the New Testament being what we ought to just focus and forget about the Old Testament because it's the law. Because in truth, the Old Testament contains the law and uh, we are no longer under the law in terms of trying to achieve something before God. It it does express God's feelings about for us about how we can best be happy and healthy people. But we want to recognize that the Old Testament has a faith narrative, pictures of faith that are just so moving and so helpful to us. These things were written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. But also, it, in its multifaceted personality of the writers and the, and the literature, the poetic literature, whether it's Psalms, the wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, the historical sections, the 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 uh, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, the prophets. You combine that with the beauty and wonder of the gospel narratives in the New Testament and the prophetic in the Book of Revelation and the the epistles of Paul and and Peter and the others. This produces a wonderful symphony of sound that harmonizes so incredibly heavenly beautifully. And what the song is, is Jesus. When we we read and embrace in childlike faith the Old Testament prophets, we are focusing one chord of a wonderful harmony. Jesus is the Word. The Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. When we, I hope that when you, when you deal with the whole Bible, you are seeing that it is a disclosure spiritually of Jesus to you. It starts with words that you read, but it morphs into an experience, a present tense experience of Jesus in his glory and in his beauty and in his love in your present reality, your present life journey, your inner world and your outer world. Isn't that wonderful about the Bible? So this is all the preface to Isaiah 60. Um, we started talking about last week, and, and we're going to uh, continue. I'm just going to review first talking point. This is a, a phrase I often use. In fact, I use it several times a day. Dear God, I praise you and I thank you. And then I finish it. And in Isaiah 60, there's some Jesus stuff to praise him and thank him for that I feel like the passage summons us to. Dear God, I praise you and I thank you for your glory that has risen upon me for the sake of other people. 
Isaiah 61 and 2. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. Do you see that in your world today? But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. That's a prophecy of Isaiah that is in the Bible over you. So the, the darkness is, is covering the people of the earth, the pre-believers. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And therefore, what? Arise and shine. <laughs> Cash the check. <laughs> Live in a way that corresponds to who you are, who God has said, said who you are. Arise and shine. And when we arise and shine, he floods us with his glory, and he floods us with his light, and he floods us with his Jesus life, but it behooves us to rise and shine for that to happen in terms of our actual experience. It moves from a theological reality to an experiential, practical reality, and it's all contingent upon whether we rise and shine. And that's uniquely um, different for each of us in terms of our life journey. It will manifest in different ways, but altogether it makes a beautiful expression of the personality of Jesus to the earth. Reinhard Bonnke put it this way, you must desire your fire and claim your flame. <laughs> I, I like Reinhard. I'm going to quote him a couple more times in this message, I believe. Let's go to that second uh, Reinhard quote. God always works with workers and moves with movers, but he does not sit with sitters. I thought it might be a good idea for me not to preach from my stool today. <laughs> Glad to <of> that. <laughs> but we saw Jesus doing that, didn't we, in, in John 8. We saw him going to the Mount of Olives, where there's olive trees. That's profound, huh? And olives, which produce olive oil, which are a symbol of the... Holy Spirit. Jesus spent time in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And out of that time and out of that reality, that, that strength and anointing of the Holy Spirit, that reality that his, his biggest reality was the presence of heaven that he lived out of, he comes down off the Mount of Olives and wades right into the into the temple area and starts to minister to culture. And it behooves us. There is an implicit call in this passage for us to, we are called, whoever says they are uh, Jesus' followers should walk as he walked, the Bible says. And as he is, so are we in this world. There's a, there's a call to be that, like Jesus was and is in terms of his desire to minister through us. And in John chapter 8, Jesus wades right in, starts teaching, right words, and there's always going to be people challenges. Did, I want to ask you a question. Over Thanksgiving, did everything relating to people go fully smoothly for you? I suspect for many of us, 
it didn't go fully smoothly for you, for us. And anytime we have the human factor, there's going to be an opportunity to patiently um, default, to default to the anointing and to do our very best to live out of that. And if we are part of the human factor at Thanksgiving or anywhere else, to quickly ask forgiveness and, and default back, get a quick default, a quick press reset to the anointing. Get to the Mount of Olives. Get to the presence of the Spirit. And then live from the presence of the Spirit. Out of that came this quiet response to the to the to the uh, scribes and the Pharisees who were accusing the woman, saying she should be stoned, having been caught in adultery. A quiet response. We don't need to be bombastic in our res- in our ministry to people, do we? It doesn't always be have to be a high octane ministry. It can be a quiet response. Jesus didn't even say anything for a while. Just wrote on the ground. And John doesn't tell us what he wrote. Theologians speculate. Books are written. What did he write? No one knows. I think it's significant that he just didn't say anything at first. The Spirit of God was working on the people he was ministering to. And he knew it. And then when he spoke, things happened. He who is without sin cast the first stone. They all walked away. There was Jesus' ministry that was happening for them. I'm sure many of them came to Christ later. And then those wonderful words that the woman heard that down through the ages has ministered so profoundly, very consistent with um, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Where are your accusers? Is anyone accusing you? No man, Lord. Neither do I accuse you. Neither do I condemn you. Do you hear Jesus saying that to you in a continual sort of way? Do you hear the words of Paul echoing in the inner, inner parts of your life? There is now, because of Jesus, now, your present tense reality, no condemnation because you're in Christ Jesus. Jesus told Peter when at the uh, washing, uh, when they, he was washing the disciples' feet, Peter said, not going to wash, don't wash my feet. He says, oh yeah, if you, I don't wash your feet, I, you have no part of me. Well, then give me a bath, <laughs> Peter says. And Jesus says, you are clean from the word, but your feet get dirty. And Jesus has declared us to be clean, righteousified by his blood. But in the course and walk of life, our feet can get dirty. And we keep account short with God. We ask, we use John, 1 John 1, 9 a lot. God, forgive forgive me. He is faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and our feet get washed by Jesus yet again. And that's that blessing that comes from there. So this verse, Psalm 56, verse 13b, we will walk in your presence, O Lord, in your life-giving light. Isn't that a great verse? We will walk in your presence, O Lord, in your life-giving light. It's a choice we make, but we've got to, uh, we've got to, how'd Reinhard put it? You must desire the fire and claim your flame. <laughs> Amen. We went to, uh, as, as I mentioned and probably will continue to mention as I 
derive message illustrations out of our trip um, to Dominican Republic for vacation. And one of the quiet blessings, not unlike Jesus, that I noticed in Brenda, was she just very, very quietly cared about people and their names. She speaks better Spanish than me, and she would ask people their names. And she asked uh, this young man that was serving us, uh, trying to find us some decaf coffee in the afternoon, which is virtually impossible anywhere in the world. But um, he found us some, and Brenda asked him his name, Felipe, is his name. And that opened up a bit of an interaction. Um, and I, with the best Spanish that I could do with Brenda's help and with some English, told Felipe about Jesus, about his love. You know what he said? Was it three or four days prior that his mom had come to Christ? Remember? I believe it was three days. might have been four, but he said, my, my mom came to Christ just three days ago, and I'm trying to find my way back to Christ. And we appealed to him in the anointing of the Spirit to, to listen to his mother. <laughs> She will help him, not just with the love of a mom, but the, a spiritual mom who cares about his soul. So that was a divine appointment. Then there was Luis, a server, who showed up serving us in three different restaurants. <laughs> Hundreds of people there, three different restaurants. He ended up being our server. I look for the language of the Spirit that way. And so I asked Luis about, well, what I did is I gave him a $10 tip, which for someone that makes $100 a week working 40 hours a week or more was, is a nice tip there. And I said, you, you got joy from that tip I gave you. I talked to him a few moments afterwards. But it, it is, that is emptiness compared to the fullness that Jesus Christ wants to give you in your inner world, Luis. And he said, I have Christian friends that have been talking to me about this. And I said, Luis, I appeal to you. Listen to your friends. They have the words of life for you. They have the words of life for you. And then there was, uh, I'm just giving you a few examples. There was uh, um, this guy that comes up to me. He's an African-American leader of a a deacon or something in a church in New Jersey. And he comes up to me, and he says, real, real quietly, he says, uh, you know, the devil's trying to get America, but God's not going to let it happen. <laughs> and you know, I felt like that was a prophetic word. That was an encouragement to me. And it turns out he and his wife and the, his uh, pastor and his wife actually became our buddies during the course of the you know the time our time there we had several really good fellowship interactions with them prayer and blessing with them great joy and i i said like so you're like a pentecostal or like a neo pentecostal church in new jersey he said no 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 we're full gospel <laughs> i actually don't know the difference <laughs> myself but anyway I had a good pit- I had a picture of them, but it didn't turn out very well too much. Something. <laughs> but I thought it was pretty cool that how he responded. He didn't know I was even a Christian. 
when he walked up to me and, and sort of said that real quietly to me. I told him I was Christian after he said that. So what this was was, a, a, was spending time in the Mount of Olives and then living in the anointing that came out of that in the Spirit. And the Spirit prompted him to give me that prophetic. He didn't say this, thus saith the Lord, this is a prophetic word. I know you are a pastor in Oregon, et cetera, et cetera. It was like, it was like he just felt this prompting and he just... He didn't, he didn't say it with a, thus saith the Lord, you know. It was, it was just a quiet Jesus ministry to me. But I thought about a lot of what he had to say, and I received it as the anointed word of the Lord that, that I've been thinking and praising God for uh, lately quite a bit. So anyway, yeah. Second talking point. That was just review from last time. <laughs> Dear God, not only do I... Not only do I praise you and I thank you for your glory that has risen upon me, your anointing for the sake of others, but I praise you and I thank you for the come and see dimension of the gospel. Around here, we focus quite a bit on the go and tell dimension of the gospel. And would you agree that is a biblical dimension, a biblical call, go and tell? Yeah. But you know, there's also this come and see dimension of the gospel. I, uh, um, Dr. Aldrich from Multnomah School of the Bible came and preached at our church in, in uh, Hammond, Oregon, one Sunday evening. And, uh, and I remember, I'll never forget, it's one of those messages that I'll never, I'll never forget. You have those too, I'm sure. But he talked about bridal evangelism how the bride of Christ is so beautiful that people are drawn and attracted to Jesus through his body, the church, when we live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We are attractive like moths to light. Gentiles, kings, sons and daughters. Let's read that Isaiah. Do we have Isaiah 60, verse 2? For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. And it goes on to say, uh, Gentiles shall come to your light, kings to the brightness of your rising they shall all gather together as they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be nursed at your side. So there will be those, not everybody, but there will be those who discern something on you as you walk in the anointing in your life. And they'll be attracted to you, Gentiles, Jews too, I'm sure. And that it will transcend socioeconomic categories. Kings will be attracted to you. I, 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 don't, I can't speak for President Biden in terms of evidence that I've seen, but I've, I know that, I know that it, it's risky for some of us, for some of you to even mention President Trump one way or another. But... I, I personally believe that he was a pretty bad sinner before 
but that his influence, the influence of evangelicals and the Paula White's prayer with him every week and that there was something that changed and shifted in him. I don't know fully. I know I don't be mad at me if I say I'm not sure he's born again. Maybe he is. I don't know. I, 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 I want to believe that. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. If that confession is on his lips, I want to say amen to that. But I do believe that a, that a president was attracted to the influence of Holy Spirit-filled people in his life. And I trust that that will be true of President Biden and any other president um, moving forward in America as we pray. But Gentiles, leaders, and kings, and this authenticity, not only biological sons and daughters that have strayed will come back, not because of our preaching to them, but because of the anointing of joy on us and peace. What we carry in God will be so irresistibly attractive. They'll come from afar and we'll feed them the word of God. We'll feed them the word of God as spiritual moms and dads. And this is also true of this authentic dynamic. You know, there's nothing as pure as a, an affection of a mom or an affection, the pure, true affection of a dad for their ch- child or their grandchild. And I believe this passage is speaking to us in saying that we will have spiritual sons and daughters that have their, there'll be a pure relationship. Pure motive will be so clear, so, so beautiful. We are called, whether we're 20 or 80 or 100, 50, whatever age we are, we're called to be spiritual moms and dads. And this can be for people older than us. When I was in my 30s, I mentored a man in his 80s. I was a spiritual dad to him. There is, in the kingdom of God, there are no... The categories are not the same. We can be a spiritual dad, a spiritual mom to people, and God is doing that on the earth today. Isaiah prophesies it. And it's because of the anointing. I felt fatherly towards that young lady at JFK Airport at the cafe that we were waiting for our flight in. And I, I don't know how it is with you, but sometimes if I overthink a leading, I might not go for it. And so I've developed largely, in most cases, the habit of speaking before I think. <laughs> and Brenda, Brenda never knows where, what kind of roller coaster I'm going to take her on if we're together. <laughs> but just spontaneously, I said to this young lady, have you ever thought about becoming a Christian? And she responded something, she was a little bit surprised and smiled and said, said uh, I believe in all the religions kind of a response. You know, that, that, you ever heard that one? Talk to her, haven't you? Yeah. Um, but I gave her my, as I mentioned to you, what I often will do I'll, about how, how Jesus has given me supernatural joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. I shared that in a way that I know the atmosphere was such uh, around Brenda and me that it was, it, it was uh, uh, irrefutable. I had a clear sense that her conscience was on my side. And she didn't capitulate to Christ yet, but I believe that God wouldn't have set that up for me if it wasn't going to be happening, and we'll see her in glory.
there are many, many people out there who are almost ready to be good saved. I don't know, I don't understand the dynamics fully. The Bible points to the reality that it's our choice, but there's also a, a, clear, a, a clear description in the Bible of, of the elect and chosenness and, and the, the Spirit moving people's desires to want Christ. That's there too. And there are seasons when someone might not be ready, but now they are. Billy Graham puts it this way. We're not satisfied with the way we look. We're not satisfied with the way we live. We're not satisfied with our inner self. And there's something lacking. We don't know what it is. There are many people out there that you know that seem fully satisfied with living fully for themselves. And they, they're empty, but they don't know it. And they don't want to change. But there are people out there, you have been among them, where you would fully identify with what Billy Graham just, what I just quoted from him. You had all, all the good things, but nothing, nothing satisfied except Jesus. And that's still true of us, isn't it? There's nothing like the kingdom of God. There's nothing like the blessings of Jesus, nothing like them. I'm going to give you a chance to turn to Christ at the end, which is coming very soon. The end is near. (laughs) Third and last point. Dear God, I praise you and I thank you for your glory that's risen upon me for the sake of other people. For the come and see dimension of the gospel. They're attracted to us like moths to light, certain ones. And finally, dear God, I praise you and I thank you for what you show me of the blessings that you give to other people. I don't, I'm not going to take time. I don't really have the time to develop this as fully as I could. But I remind you that with children opening presents on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, you know that it works best if they don't just open all their presents all at once, but that they maybe open one present then watch someone else enjoying opening their present. And there's two motives that are learned from that for the child. One is, I'll be able to share in that. When, When my brother opens that gift, maybe I could share in that video game too. Yay for me, I get it too. And there is, when you read Isaiah 60, when he talks about... Verse 5, then you shall see and become radiant. This is what comes from the anointing on us. We become even more radiant when we live an expression of it. And your heart shall swell with joy. This is the ministry part. Then it says, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you and the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. I personally don't think this passage means that the Gentiles' wealth is all going to come to Christians and the Gentiles are going to be poor. I think that's inconsistent with our desire to, make, to see the Gentiles as pre-believers that are going to be coming in. I'll just throw that out as a suggestion to you. I'm not trying to be too bossy or, or to twist your arm or crowbar you too much, although that is what the Bible teaches. 
in spreading revival, when we, when we agree with Reinhard Bonnke and say, uh, America shall be saved, what we can anticipate and expect is what happened in the first and second and third great awakening in America in that there is an uptick, an upgrade in the, in the sociological and economic blessings of the whole country. So when they're saying, hooray, the Gentiles are coming to God, we're being, they're, they're irresistibly attracted to us because of the anointing, and they're bringing their camels and their incense and their sheep and their goats, hooray, it's not because we're going to get them. It's because the whole ec- economy of the culture in revival, there's an upgrade of blessing in, in, the whole, in the whole scene economically. We saw it in America. Protestant work ethic is foundational to the blessing of America over the years. Diligent hands brings wealth. The, the colleges and universities teach that it's transferred from one group to another. The Bible teaches that wealth is created through diligent hands and people with creative kingdom mindsets that can produce wealth. But I also want to say that it is valid in this passage to give praise and thanks, whether it's a Christian or, an, or a pre-believer, something good or something they're gifted in, to say hooray to God and bless you, Lord. Thank you for that gift in them. Because this word says that they will end up praising the Lord and that their, their sacrifice will be accepted on, the, on God's altar. This is something that, I'm just going to conclude with this and to prove it, if you would please stand. Domingo, a server in, in, uh, in the in Dominican Republic, told us how grateful he was. He just loves his job. It's clear as a server. He said because of COVID-19, he didn't have work and he didn't have any, any kind of um, unemployment for a year. And now he's back. He's, he just loves his job. Claritzel loves her son, Daniel. I asked her about Daniel every time I got a chance, her little boy. Great mom. I celebrated that with her. Domingo introduced me to Andrew as a pastor. And he lit up, came by a few moments later. He came by and he uh, started spontaneously. It was an outside restaurant. He started spontaneously singing a made-up praise song in my presence about how much he loves his job, about how much he appreciated meeting me, how he loves his church, how he loves Jesus. This amazing voice just sang it out. And I praised God for it. I took that home. When there's Pablo, a pre-believer, who just loves the Dominican Republic, and he told us all about it. And I thanked him for sharing that joy, that gift that's on him for that. I took that home. I started thinking about my neighbor, Eric, across the street, who has such, he's so friendly. And I praise God for Eric's friendliness. 
our other neighbor that just loves their dog so much, God's creatures. They have a gift for enjoying God's creatures. My neighbor right next door, Hank, calls his daughter in Las Vegas every single day. How much he enjoys being a dad. And I want to challenge you. I want to invite you to the people in your life, believers or not, ask God to help you discern what gifts they are, what strength they have, and praise Him for it and bless them with it. And that is part and parcel in a mystical yet wonderful way of them using their blessings and their gifts to honor God and make their gifts acceptable and sacrifice to King Jesus. If you're not connected to King Jesus today, call on Him. The Bible three times says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. You become born again. Your spirit, which is dead, becomes regenerated. You have a new life within you. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's a brand new life. Do it today. Then contact that Christian friend that you know. They will help disciple you into ever-increasing dimensions of supernatural joy. It's unspeakable, and it's full of glory. Here in the sanctuary and at home, put your hand on your heart. and praise you, O God, that we are among those that are arising and shining. We praise you, O God, that your spirit is on us to bless us. And we are attractive irresistibly to some. It's a great joy to walk in that. And we praise you, God, that you have brought people into our life that we can focus their, the gifts you've given them, like Paul did to, in Lystra. God has given you food and made your heart glad. And he's blessed your crops. And Paul is saying, hooray! And the people came to Christ. Mary in the Magnificat, her Christmas prayer. How God has blessed me but then morphs into how God has blessed others, focusing on blessing. Just such a beautiful principle of gratefulness. Thank you, God, that that's being taught to us by your spirit and as our, uh, our choice to walk in it. We love you and thank you for this time together in Jesus Christ's name. Everybody said, amen. Have a great, have a great week.